What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton, and in today's episode, we are talking about a couple prospects who have gotten called up, maybe not as well-known, but I think can make a big league impact. That's Kyle Stowers of the Orioles and Cannon Smith and Jigba of the Pirates, both of which we've talked about a little bit on this show, but excited to dive in a little bit more into what they can offer for their respective teams, which are both rebuilding options obviously right now and both could use a little bit of excitement. This isn't just a random minor leaguer getting a shot. I think this is a legitimate chance for both of these guys to prove that they should be part of the long-term plans for both the Orioles and the Pirates, and I I think that there's a chance that they can legitimately do that, and that would be very, very cool and would be good news, similar to what we've seen from Jack Sawinski from the Pirates, a way that they can kind of carve out a role for themselves moving forward and prove that they belong in the big leagues at some capacity and part of the long-term plans of these franchises. I also want to talk on the flip side of it with some of these struggling prospects at the upper levels. I talk about guys who I think are, you know, going to be promoted soon. I want to talk about guys who, you know, if they write the ship, they could be promoted soon. That's a Cole Wynn. That's a Dre Jamison. There's a few other prospects in that realm uh, that I want to discuss, even Jose Barrero as well uh, with the Reds. Win with the Rangers and Dre Jamison with the Diamondbacks, a pair of pitchers, and of course, Barrero, a shortstop with the Reds. So let's start with the good, though, because Kyle Stowers got promoted. And in his first ball game, picks up his first career hit. And Stowers may not be as you know well known of a name or as much of a household name to some, but this is an extremely talented prospect who comes with some pedigree. He was a second round pick out of Stanford. 
Pretty big dude at 6'3", 200 pounds, but also moves well. He's a corner outfielder at this point, but also can still play passable center field if needed. He's an above average runner. And I mean, the guy had a fantastic career at Stanford, but didn't quite put together those ridiculous hit tool years, I like to call it, where, you know, the guy hits 370 and you can start to quell some of the concerns around, you know, the bat to ball. He was good throughout college and in his collegiate career, hit 279, 360, 490 with 20 home runs, stole some bags, you know, played great defense, hit well in the cape, but just didn't quite make that next level up to the elite first round department, which I think, you know, you got to combine either the power with really, really good bat-to-ball skills or just put off-the-charts power numbers up. But even then, I mean, that has not been enough through recent years to really, uh, I guess, solidify yourself as a first-rounder. you got to prove that you have the bat-to-ball. And he showed flashes of it. Again, I would have put some stock into the 326 batting average with six homers in the Cape, which is what he did in 2018. I think that was a testament to what he can do with Wood. And I just don't know if he could totally get it going in conference play in the Pac-12 to where he's hitting 370, but he's never really been that kind of guy. He's a guy that's always going to float in the high 200s uh, in the minor leagues, and he did that pretty much at every stop. He's going to walk a fair deal, and he's going to run into baseballs, and I still think he's going to tap into more power. I do think there's more power in there, and it's going to be interesting to see you know, how much he'll tap into because at the same time, he has really improved in the bat-to-ball department because through the first couple years, struck out... Uh, and this is in the minor leagues, through 2021, struck out about 30% of the time, about 32% of the time, but hedged that with a very solid walk rate around 13 to 14%. But, you know, anytime you're striking out 32, 33% of the time, that's a red flag. But the quality of contact was there. The guy hit 27 home runs. He was playing all over the outfield, adding the walks. There was a lot to like. And this was our first real full season look at him because he was only in short season A ball in 2019 and a college guy in short season ball. It was a little concerning that he wasn't dismantling uh, that pitching there. So it was a step in the right direction last year, even though there was some swing and miss there. And he still hit his way up to AAA because despite the 32% K rate or 33% K rate, he was able to still consistently be productive and that's very hard to do but that's because of the slugging on contact and that's because of his ability to use the whole field so he hits his way to triple a and it seemed like at every stop he was still the same player normally you see a guy with a high 20s or a low 30s percent k rate in double a or high a and you're like oh when you promote that guy to the next level he's going to strike out an egregious amount and the production won't be there that just wasn't the case with Stowers. So uh, I think that the Orioles realize this guy's just very unique. And if he can cut down on the strikeout rate by about 5%, then they're in business because this guy has everything else you need. Well, he did exactly that in AAA this year. After getting his 22-game taste of AAA last year, 49 games in AAA before getting promoted to the big leagues for the Orioles, Kyle Stowers was raking. 253, 356, 545 slash line, 12 home runs. More importantly, 25% K rate, 12% walk rate. So walk rate remains consistent at 12%. K rate drops by about 7%. That's the big thing to watch. And with Stowers, it was a bit of a slow start, and then he really got going. And that was part of the reason why we saw him get promoted pretty early in the season is it was a really nice stretch for him through the month of May and then into the early going in June. I mean, just to put it into context here, over his final 20 games in AAA prior to his promotion, he hit 320, 422, 707. That's 1129 slash line, 
26% K rate, 14% walk rate. Like that's uh, obviously 707 slugging is ridiculous, but that's kind of the, the walk to strikeout distribution. You're always going to come to expect from Stowers, which is he's going to strike out in the high 20s. He's going to hedge that with a ton of walks and a really high level of quality on contact or slugging on contact or whatever you want to call it. And, and for that reason, I think he can be a very productive big leaguer. On top of that, he's a left-handed hitter who has still, I think, a little bit more room for, for physicality and, and a little bit more room for muscle. I don't know if they want to you know, see him bulk up anymore because then his speed might trend closer to average than above average. But still at just 24 years old, can tap into a little bit more power. But what I like about him is he has really figured out what moves work for him. And he hangs in there really well now with that front side. So he's been really good left on left. And that's really important too because he does struggle a little bit with the changeup. And that's the one thing to watch is righties with a good changeup will give Stowers fits. But there's a lot of left-handed hitters with that limitation. And that's okay because... If, if you have the change-up limitation as a lefty and you have bad lefty splits, now you're in trouble because there's one pitch that you can't hit from a righty that most righties are going to throw lefties if they have it in their arsenal. And then if you can't hit left on left, you're limited. You really got to crush right on right fastballs and, and breaking balls. That's not the case with Stowers because he can hit lefties pretty darn well. His splits have been pretty consistent throughout his minor league career and, and were pretty consistent this year, if anything. He's been a little bit of a reverse splits guy, at least in the bat-to-ball department uh, so far this season. The thing is, is is he hits for a lot more power against righties, obviously, but he's more focused on keeping that front hip on, left on left, and just driving the ball the other way. And I mean, look at his first big league hit. How hard he hits the ball the other way with authority to split the gap is a testament to, again, his foul pull to foul pull power. So far this season, Stowers has hit Against lefties, this was in the minor leagues, 286, 426, 500 in 54 plate appearances against righties, 245, 335, 561. That comes in 159 plate appearances. So small sample size left on left. But again, through through his entire minor league career, we've seen that he, he can be pretty solid left on left. So you combine that with the fact that he's a young 24. Uh, he can play all three outfield spots. I think he's an above average defender in the corner, passable in center. There's so much to like about this dude. I really do think he could be part of the long-term plans in Baltimore. And I'm very fascinated to see what the Orioles decide to do if Stowers continues to hit. Now could be a good time to sell high on Austin Hayes, who I do really like uh, and who has been incredibly productive. But don't forget, Heston Kerstad's finally back and hopefully he'll be a, a part of the team's future. But also, you know, Colton Kowser is is in the fold there. They have Cedric Mullins. They have some other options uh, at the big league level and in the minor leagues that could kind of fill out that outfield. Do you try to cash in and convert Austin Hayes into pitching prospects, especially with G-Rod being hurt to just kind of build more uh, pitching capital there? I wouldn't hate it because D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez are phenomenal, but both now uh, a little bit banged up over the last couple years. G-Rod, this is new. This isn't something we've seen before, but he is you know, my number one guy. And uh, for him to go down now, I, I think it's just a reminder, hey, let's, let's stockpile as many arms as possible. And I do really believe that Stowers can be an above average bat in the corner with above average defense, and you'll be very happy you have him uh, if, if you're the Baltimore Orioles. I think he fits in really well with this ball club and don't sleep on the sneaky speed as well he can run when you need him to and he's definitely an above average piece uh, on the base paths as well I don't know if he's going to hang up there for too long he's you know kind of on the taxi squad we'll see what the, what the plan is for the Orioles this year but I would like to see him 
role and, and get a chance to really get a ton of ABs under his belt because he, I think, has shown enough at the AAA level over the last month and a half, and you might as well let him learn at the big league level now, uh, and that would be what I would do with him, but we'll see what the Orioles plan on doing. I think Stowers of the Orioles is a legitimate piece. A guy who I'm interested to see if he will be a legitimate piece for the Pirates moving forward is Cannon Smith and Jigba, who you may remember came over in that Jamison Tyone trade, which I've been very critical of and now is looking a lot better for the Yankees. It looks great for the Pirates. It's still a no-brainer deal for the Pirates. Rancy Contreras is awesome. Cannon Smith and Jigba is a good piece. Uh, They also... Received two other decent prospects in the deal in Yajare and Escato as well. Uh, but but I really do look at Cannon Smith and Jigba, and I like the way he has developed. I'd like to see a little bit more power uh, from the Pirates prospect, but at the end of the day, he has continued to hit at every level and at 23 years old, is and, and a young 23 as well, just turned 23, is putting up great numbers at the AAA level and has now earned his way up to the big leagues. And it'll be interesting to see where he fits in and, and what the plan is. But I see a similar Lamont Wade type of profile here as a guy that I'm probably sheltering from lefties for the most part. His splits have not been great through the upper levels, but he punishes right-handed pitching. He walks a ton. And he can play all over. And even though he's a slightly above average runner, he is pretty good uh, in terms of stealing bases. I mean, he stole, I believe, last season it was 13. And then this season already, he has eight stolen bases as well. Uh, He's able to play center field if you really need it. I'd rather not. But at the end of the day, that's not too bad given that, you know, if you're playing the matchups, you're playing an offensive minded uh, type of lineup you want to put together, you can definitely put Cannon Smith and Jigba in center field field if you're trying to go left-handed heavy uh, and punish a righty, but also you know he can play all over. He's a guy that is capable of playing an above-average defense in the corners, and, and I would love to see him get some reps at first. Obviously, he has not gotten any of those reps at first, but that would kind of finalize the Lamont Wade uh, type of profile where he can play all over, but still being able to play both corners and center field in a pinch, uh, I think is, is super valuable as well because he's somebody that you're going to try to mix and match. I don't think he's an everyday player. But again, if you're getting him in in spots against righties, that's great. I am surprised to only see one home run this year through 52 games in AAA, given that, you know, he's never been a huge power guy, but he hit six last year in about 73 games. So not a ton, but still that was a lot more than one in 52 games. The good news is he hits a ton of doubles. He splits the gap. He has 15 doubles. He has three triples and he hits the ball hard. That's the interesting thing is we've seen exit velos upwards of 110 to 112 miles an hour on several occasions. The problem is he puts the ball on the ground a lot. 53% ground ball rate this year. And believe it or not, that's actually down from last year's, which was unsustainably high in the 60s, which I've never seen from a productive big league player that hits the ball on the ground or not even big leagues, excuse me, a productive player period. I've never seen a productive player hit the ball on the ground 65% of the time, but Cannon Smith and Jigba hits the ball so hard uh, when he does connect that, you know, it is really, he's able to find the gaps and he's also able to sneak it through because he puts up some pretty high end exit velo. So he's a very strange profile in that regard. I mean, how often do you see guys hitting the ball on the ground that frequently and still, you know, putting up pretty high BABIP numbers and, you know, still pretty much proving on a larger sample size that they can hit uh, and that they can put up 
pretty good numbers. Smith and Jigba is weird, uh, and not in a negative way. I don't even mean to uh, have a negative connotation there in the weird, but I, I think the fact that he is not really shiftable, uh, meaning that you know, you can't you can't really put your defense in a spot to to get him. Uh, he's going to be able to beat the shift pretty easily. He has always been a guy that uses the whole field. Pretty much the picturesque spray chart uh, that you'd want to see from the Pirates prospect. And when you walk as much as he does uh, and and have that left-handed stroke at 23 years old, if if he can just lift the ball a bit more, I don't want him to compromise who he is. But at the end of the day, you, you got to get the ball in the air a little bit more in today's game, especially with how hard he hits it. And if you remember, you know, talking to Joey Weimer and how did Joey Weimer go from a guy that had not hit for any power to now being one of the best power hitters in the minor leagues? He always hit the ball hard on the ground and it was just getting it in the air. There's a little bit of a forward move with Cannon Smith and Jigba, uh, meaning that he drifts a tiny bit that can cause the barrel to drag a tiny bit. And that is the slight thing I see that causes a little bit of hitting the top of the baseball and a little bit more of a ground ball rate than you'd want to see, but still hits the ball with authority, only strikes out 24% of the time so far in AAA. And again, the 15% walk rate, I'm all the way in on that. Just give me like 15 home runs, Cannon. Give me 15 home runs and you're a big league regular. But I, I think he could hit more homers as he faces more righties and continues to get sheltered from lefties. I think that slugging could go up because he's going to be put more in positions to succeed and sheltered a little bit from the less comfortable positions. Speaking of less comfortable, we're going to talk a little bit about you know the guys that have been struggling a tad and whether I think they can write the ship for a big league promotion in 2022. I'm going to start with Cole Wynn of the Texas Rangers organization. Of course, Cole Wynn, former first-round pick, absolutely carved up the minor leagues last year, was one of the best pitchers in the minors, period, uh, for the Texas Rangers, especially at the double-A level. I mean, what what he did at the double-A level was hilarious as a 21-year-old. 2-3-1 ERA in 78 innings. He punched out more than 11 batters per nine, walked only three. Uh, Great K to BB ratio. A lot of weak contact, a lot of swings and misses. He did kind of everything you wanted to see. Then got promoted up to AAA at the end of the year. Made a couple starts. Looked pretty decent. So I went into this year kind of thinking, hey, Cole Wynn could pitch his way up to a big league debut. Uh, And that was a guy that I was looking at as maybe even a dark horse for rookie of the year. Well, maybe I spoke a little too soon. And I don't think that Cole Wynn has hit any kind of wall in terms of his projection or who he can be as a pitcher. I don't know if if my overall perspective has changed on him through 11 starts in AAA, but there has definitely been some concerning signs. And I would say the, the number one thing is, that his strikeout rate has drastically dropped, uh, going from more than 11 strikeouts per nine to just a hair under seven strikeouts per nine. Uh, the walk rate is ridiculous uh, for him this year, nearly six walks per nine. So he's almost walking as many guys as he strikes out. He's 31 walks this year in 49 innings and 38 strikeouts. What's the deal? Well, he's in AAA, he's in the PCL. We know the ball flies there. But on top of that, his fastball has not quite been the same. I don't know if it's the atmosphere uh, in terms of where he is pitching. I don't know the altitude. I don't know any of that in terms of of where he's at right now in that regard, if if that really makes a big difference on his stuff. But I can tell you that the stuff is not quite the same so far this year, especially the fastball. Seeing a lot more 91s and 92s than the 93s, 94s, and even 95s that we were seeing last year. He's still touching 95. We've seen it. But I'm just seeing more of the ones and twos than we did last year. On top of that, the spin rate 
is down on his fastball by about 100 RPMs. And as a result, also, the vertical movement is down about an inch and a half to two inches on average, which is that rising riding action that you want to see to have that play up in the zone, to have that swing and miss ability in the zone, that that desired rise to your fastball. That's diminished for a cold win this year. So that is a big factor, I think, because if you know that your fastball is not getting the swings and misses that it was getting before, you're not going to trust it as much. And when you don't trust it as much, you are going to nibble. And when you nibble, you're going to walk more batters. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And, And just to put it in perspective here, swinging strike percentage this year on the fastball for Colwyn is 8%. Last year, 13%. That's a big, big difference for the pitch that you throw the most. A 5% difference in swinging strike percentage is huge. Called swinging strike percentage is an 11% difference. 22% on the fastball this year, 33% on the fastball last year. So that is a very important trend to follow. I really do believe that the struggles with the fastball have been kind of the tone setter for the rest of his arsenal and the struggles with the rest of his arsenal because I think Cole Wynn has as balanced of an arsenal as you're going to find. I really like all of his pitches and I think he's got a feel for all of them, but he just has not been able as a result to locate the slider and really find as much success with the slider this year. And that was maybe one of his best pitches last year. I mean, nobody hit that thing. He had a 219 OPS against uh, on that offering last year and he went to it as much as any other secondary pitch. But so far this year, it has just not been there for him. And now he's nibbling with the changeup a lot more, which is not a pitch that he has as much comfort locating. He is not really seeing the success with the slider 855 OPS so far this year. And when you don't have the fastball setting the tone and you're not quite getting that I guess snap on the slider as well, if we're talking spin rates, if we're talking sharpness as well, that's going to really hurt you as a pitcher. And I don't think that's uh, any hard-hitting analysis there, but I do believe that the fastball is kind of the tone setter here. So I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know if it's environment. I don't know if it's you know just, just something going on with the way he's gripping the baseball or release point, whatever it may be, but he, there's definitely something off. And, and I'm very interested to see how Colwyn you know, tries to combat that. I'm not really concerned about him long-term. He's a 22-year-old in AAA. This season could be a full learning curve for him. He could struggle most of the year, repeat AAA next year, and he's still ahead of schedule. Yes, I thought the Rangers could potentially call Cole Wynn up at some point this season because of their effort to try to compete right now, uh, but it looks like Cole Wynn may not be that guy for them this season. That's okay. Uh, let's see this guy develop. Let's see him work through whatever he's working through here. This is somewhat of the first adversity he's faced in the minor leagues, but he's got to find that fastball and get it back to where it was last year. It's still very early in the season for him. Again, 11 starts, 49 innings. Let's see him build back up. Last year was his first full season, so we'll see. I guess it was his second full season, but first time with more than 80 innings pitched. Let's see how he continues to develop from there. Next up is another pitcher who could probably get things going in AAA as well. And look, I do love what we've seen from him so far this year at the AA level. Of course, four starts and Dre Jameson quickly pitched his way up to AAA. And a guy who's still somewhat ahead of schedule given where he was relative to 2021, where 
It was a bit of an up and down season, pitched his way up to double A and then got going at the end there and was really, really good. Uh, But I don't know if anybody would have expected Jameson to skip up to triple A this quickly. Still a little bit older than Cole Wynn, about two years older than him. But another dude with first round pedigree. He was a compensation pick, 34th overall in 2019 at a Ball State. A very low key pitching pipeline over there uh, with Ball State, you know, my partner Jack McMullen would love to talk about Ball State whenever he gets a chance. He's uh, broadcasts for them uh, during the basketball and football seasons as well. But Dre Jameson, six foot, 165 pounds, and he's that low release point, riding action, high spin, swings and misses up in the zone, nasty slider, kind of tunneling off of that type of guy that we're seeing more and more of in today's game. More and more of those six foot athletic electric arm speed driven pitchers who I actually really like. I think those guys are really fun and Jamison is fun. I mean, he strikes out guys in bunches and he was doing that in double A to start the season. He was striking out 11 per nine with less than two walks per nine, which is the big thing to watch there because the command is, is what I like to follow with him because when he is throwing strikes, when he has that zone confidence, he is as good as anybody in the minor leagues. And Jamison has shown us flashes through some really rough starts. He's had some pretty darn good starts, but then goes back to having some rough starts. But I'm seeing things trend in the right direction for Jamison. Uh, His last outing, he went four innings of eight strikeout ball, two earned runs, one walk. I should say four innings of two run ball with eight strikeouts and one walk. But that, that is a lot better than what we had been seeing. The start before that, three earned runs, four strikeouts, no walks. Start before that, uh, that was six innings, seven Ks, five earned runs. That's where he got burned with the three homers, but only one walk. But you look at the last three outings, he has racked up 19 Ks and only two walks. That's what I'm really looking at here because you know the ball is going to fly in the Pacific Coast League. It always does. So I'm not going to get mad about two solo shots and a two-run shot or however those five runs came home. I didn't watch that game. Uh, But then the start before that, and I'm just going to keep going back, and this is a Dodgers lineup in AAA that is insane He goes six innings of two-run ball and strikes out 10, two walks. So I'm seeing a guy with a lot more zone confidence here. I'm seeing a guy that, look, his fastball sits 97 to 99. Uh, So he can blow it by you, and he's got pretty good command relative to, to what his stuff is. Another dude that through the lower levels never really had walk issues, and then all of a sudden in the early going had walk issues. I mean, I'll just take you through the the starts before that. It was five walks, four walks, three walks, two walks. I mean, that is way different than what we've seen over the last handful of starts. So I, I think the big thing to watch there is, is just how much confidence do you have? And I think we're seeing that confidence over the last few starts because not only is he really posted his more strikeouts over his last several starts, higher strikeout rate than we've seen from him all year, the walks in turn have also gone down. So it was another case of nibbling. Interestingly enough, Dre Jamison's spin rates were down about 100 RPMs from last year. So maybe it's the crackdown on sticky stuff. I don't want to throw those accusations out. It's just really, in double A, it's not even an accusation. Do what you do. Do what everybody else does. And I'm sure these guys were doing it a bit more last year in double A. And now as the crackdowns kind of happen from top to bottom, you know it's going to be a little bit more strictly enforced in triple A as well. I don't know if that's it, but I know that's probably something somebody was thinking as I was talking about Cole Wynn. So I wanted to make sure I just threw that out. I'm not I'm not totally oblivious to that, 
But here's the thing. These guys are getting outs at the big league level without it. I think there's might have been a little bit of dependency on whatever systems that some guys had through the lower levels, and you got to adjust. But I, I really don't believe that that's the sole reason why you see these kinds of changes. But these are also young pitchers without a ton of experience of pitching in different elements and different situations. And you know maybe they have to get accustomed to do different situations. Because I, when I was on the AA trip, I mean, even talking to some of the guys in AA South, Getting the new baseballs, they basically used guinea pig baseballs uh, for these guys in AA, and they really struggled to grip them. And they said, look at the hit-by-pitch numbers. I guarantee you they're way up. We're struggling to grip these baseballs that are different now. They're like these pre-tacked baseballs that they wanted these AA pitchers to test. And they didn't like it, and a lot of them didn't respond well. So uh, there, there's not as much experience in pitching with different elements and different uh, situations with the baseball. Even big leaguers struggle with it. So you know, minor leaguers, it's a, a little bit more malleable and volatile in that regard. But Dre Jameson has disgusting stuff, and, and I think he's starting to right the ship here, and I think he's starting to put it together. I would bet on Jameson making his big league debut this year. I'm not sure when we'd see Cole win, he'd have to really have a nice streak. But Jamison's in a different boat right now, in my opinion, in terms of his trend. You look at the numbers and you probably would disagree. He has a 7.57 ERA so far this season. But I really just point towards a couple outings that really blew up that ERA. He had one start where he gave up seven earned runs and then another one where he gave up five earned runs, and that pretty much just kind of put him in the hole. Uh, But ultimately, he's had a lot of good outings as of late, or at least a couple good outings as of late, and a lot of good outings overall in the season that I think should be more of the commonplace for him, especially as the command continues to look better and better, and as the secondary stuff continues to locate well. I mean, the slider is plus-plus, the changeup is above average, and the curveball is easily average or better and now we're seeing the command get there as well Dre Jamison I think debuts in the next few months and should inject a little bit more life into this Diamondbacks team that's actually sneaky good this year but could use some more pitching help Jamison I think is a long-term option in that rotation and I'm a big fan of his last but not least is Jose Barrero of the Cincinnati Reds organization, and we've been hearing about Barrero for a while. He's been up and down in a few different instances over the last couple years, probably rushed in the first time around, uh, second time around. I don't know if he was ready yet either, but ultimately, right now, he is returning from injury, has played about 20 games in AAA, and it just hasn't been great for him. It has been pretty rough, to be honest. And uh, Look, Barrero's been hurt, and he's a guy that really... He's streaky. He's always going to be streaky. Even if he puts it all together for the Cincinnati Reds, he's going to be a streaky bat. But right now, there's nothing streaky about what he's doing. It's just been really ugly. He's striking out 40% of the time. Uh, he he has three home runs in 20 games, but the Ks are the big concern. Uh, the the swing happiness is, is pretty concerning. It looks like he's swinging at everything right now. He's a little bit out of control. When I watch even his takes... It seems like he's just thinking about his moves too much. It seems like a guy that is trying very hard to get things right. And I like that. I like that he's focused on trying to get things right. But you can almost see him thinking in the box, thinking about his moves, thinking about you know what he needs to do to get back to where he was. And it's just a guy that's feeling things out too much. That's okay at the AAA level. I mean, I want to see him just kind of cut loose and swing. This is a dude that has been a red stop prospect for a long time. This is a dude that in 45 games last year in AAA had 13 pumps and also walked at a 10% clip and only struck out at a 22% clip. So, I mean, that's almost half 
of what we're seeing right now in the strikeout department from Barrero. Yes, only 20 games. Yes, coming off an injury. And that's why I don't want to draw too much to this because I could say, oh, he looks like he's feeling himself out. Oh, he looks like he's over aggressive and uncomfortable and this and that. And then, oh, he gets right and he's good to go. Because 20 games is not a lot, especially coming off of an injury. And this is an uber talented prospect. That said, I've always had my concerns about his just just overall hit tool and, and how he fits in uh, to their long-term plans. Is he going to be consistent enough? Can he hit big league pitching? Uh, that's my question. And and I still think he's a top prospect. I still think he's extremely fascinating. And uh, we, we've seen him, you know, through through stretches in the minor leagues last year, put up good contact rates, 83% zone contact last year. He's at 66% so far this year. So this is a much different hitter overall. He's also a guy that's always swung a lot. And I think that report is out more. Uh, is that just, you don't need to throw him strikes. And I think that's what we're seeing more of is, uh, there are not pitchers that are willing to just kind of groove one to him. They're saying, hey, I know this guy's going to chase more than average, and I'm just going to try to make him do that. I'm, I'm going to make him be patient. And so far, he has not been patient. And even when pitchers are in the zone at times, he he is whiffing. Uh, so you, you combine those two things, and you're going to have a disastrous start. I, I'm not going to sound the alarms on Barrero yet. I'll sound the alarms at the end of June if it's continuing under the same trend. I don't think that Barrero is going to continue to struggle to this degree. Uh, we've already still seen him impact the baseball with some authority in spots, and he's you know hit some pretty darn good pitchers uh, when he's going right. But at the same time, you got to find that consistency, and we'll see how he looks. Maybe the injury is still impacting him a little bit. He's still 24 years old. He's already proven to have success at the AAA level, but the Reds could use him at the big league level, and this is a big offseason coming up for the Reds, who don't seem to be keen on a full teardown. You know, I think they do want to build for the future, but I think they want to know what what's going on and they might add in certain spots. And can you count on Barrero to be a guy for you uh, after being that five million dollar international free agent way back? Or is he someone that you're hoping pans out and you got to kind of act accordingly and, and add to the spots where you see fit? We'll see, but he's got to be a hell of a lot better than he's been so far. And, you know, inconsistency and issues with approach could do Barrero in. Uh, but again, this is a dude that's coming out, coming off of a hand injury. And I really am a big believer of that's almost the worst thing that you can deal with as a hitter. Uh, wrist, hand, really saps the swing, saps the confidence. And that could be part of that feeling out that I'm seeing as well. So again, not going to draw huge conclusions from the numbers. But even with these numbers aside, if you ask me going into this year, what's my take on Barrero? I would say that the approach could do him in. He needs to be more under control. Zone contact, those numbers are are good enough. Uh, quality of contact, good enough. Get that approach under control, and that's something to watch moving forward here as Barrero gets right and continues to get things or tries to get things going at the AAA level. That'll do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We got a lot more coming up over the next couple days. I'm going to be releasing another Farm system top 10. We got the Chicago Cubs system that I'm going to be breaking down uh, very, very soon. Should be live tomorrow, the top 10, and we'll, we'll be breaking down that whole system on the next episode tomorrow as well. If you could leave a rating, I'd really appreciate it to help me grow the show. Uh, it's been so much fun watching these numbers grow, and I really appreciate everybody that tunes in every single week. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, uh, your other prospect people who you like to talk to about this whole thing. I've got 
multiple group chats where we're always talking prospects and, and sharing things and stuff like that and would really appreciate any help from you in that regard. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects, Chicago Cubs prospects with you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.